I'm just going to say, Pastor Clayton Baird's in the house um, from Celebration Church in Florida. Man, I look up to this guy like crazy. He has a young adult ministry just like this, sub-30 people under the age of 30. So if you'll do it for me, I ask you that y'all would be engaged just like you would for me. Take notes. He's going to make you laugh, but you're going to learn a lot. We're going to get into the Word. But will you stand to your feet? Hey, can we give a loud and proud Elevation Nation ball? Come on for Pastor Clayton Baird. Come on. Awesome. Thank you so much. You can be seated. Thank you. It's good to be in Arkansas. It was actually uh, my first trip to Arkansas. Is anyone here, like, but you're from Florida? Anyone from Florida? Just me. Where? No, Tennessee is not. That doesn't. (laughs) There's a lot of people in Florida who wouldn't like people from Tennessee. You volunteer fan? No, okay, good, all right, good. But um, hey, yeah, it's my first trip to Arkansas. I love it, and uh, I love New Life Church. I love the BZ family and uh, everything that they're doing here. And when I come here, um, you know, just the last couple days, it really does feel like family. And um, I just feel like, man, I'm at home. I feel like all the pastors that I'm meeting and hanging out with over the last couple days, it really just feels like we've been best friends forever. And uh, man, Pastor Amir, thank you so much for having me. And uh, can we just put our hands together for him? Man, what an awesome leader. So, so grateful. Um, a lot of times, I said this last night to the students, a lot of times you don't know how lucky you are, and, and so that's part of the responsibility of a guest, is I'm gonna come in and tell you how lucky you are uh, to have such awesome leadership here at New Life and uh, everything that they're doing. Church is exploding, taking over Arkansas from what I hear, and uh, man, it's just awesome to be a part of like a thriving, life-giving church uh, where people are meeting Jesus and they're growing in their walk with God. And um, so I bring greetings, obviously, from sunny Jacksonville, Florida, and uh, we're having a good time in Jacksonville. I actually never travel alone. I'm here with uh, one of our youth pastors. He oversees um, what we call our arena campus, which is our main facility. Um, Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of middle and high school students are his responsibility. His name is Pastor Leighton German, and uh, would you just welcome him? He's here with me tonight, and uh, he's awesome. One of my best friends in the world, getting married in uh, February. So holla at your boy, but uh, that's awesome, and uh, love him. Hey, I'm also married, been married for eight years uh, to my wife named Bethany. Uh, she is great. She's from Detroit, Michigan. Uh, she's from like the inner city, D-Town, Michigan. We met in Sydney, Australia, though, um, so kind of go all the way across the world uh, to meet someone in the United States, but uh, that's where we met. Uh, married for eight years, and we have a, a boy. His name's Jude. I'm, they might have a picture of the three of us that they can put up there. There we are. <laughs> that's Bethany. <laughs> I have a cough. If I cough this whole night, I, I got a cough. But that's Bethany. That's Jude. That's Jude's birthday party. He just turned one year old uh, just a month ago, and it was a Mickey Mouse birthday. And so uh, when you're a single guy, you can watch whatever you want um, at your apartment or wherever you live. But when you get married, uh, you watch two things. You watch HGTV, and you watch Mickey Mouse Clubhouse when you have a kid. Uh, so that's the only thing that's on at my house. I've, I know every HGTV show. Any ladies love HGTV? Any ladies love the Food Network? Come on. I can cook you some stuff these days because of what I've seen on Food Network. And so I think we might even have some more pictures of Jude. I just want to brag on my little boy uh, again. Uh, there he is. We went and picked out some pumpkins the other day. Look how stoked he is, yo. He's the man. He is awesome. He's got his Batman shirt on. And there he is. That's his Halloween costume. So we call him the Grizz, right, because he's always been abnormally large. And so so what better costume for the Grizz than a grizzly bear costume? And so that's what he's going to be in a couple weeks 
for Halloween. I love him so much. I miss him. He's starting to walk now. And um, if you have kids or know anyone with kids, um, pray for me because now he's into everything. And so our house is just like a disaster zone all the time. Uh, but hey, if you have your Bible, let's go ahead and open it up. Book of Genesis chapter six is where we're gonna get. And um, I really like, really, if, if you don't know, like, I don't know if every preacher, teacher is, is like me. I mean, I, I know obviously they're not. Um, but I, I'm one that like really puts a lot of thought and, and effort into what I'm gonna share when I go places and, and what I'm gonna teach people. Pastor Layton, who's been with me for the last several days traveling, can attest to this. I go back and forth all the time. Man, I wanna share this. Well, I feel like God's telling me this. And so I go back and forth. But I've, I've landed right here, excuse me, and I feel like um, this message is gonna speak specifically um, to this generation, right? People in their 20s and 30s. I, I didn't preach this last night because I think it could help younger students, but it's more uh, for where we're at um, at this age in elevation. And so hopefully it blesses you tonight. And, and Genesis chapter six, starting in verse five, <coughs> says this. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on earth and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. The Lord regretted that he had made man and human beings on the earth and his heart was deeply troubled. So the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race that I've created and with them the animals, the birds, and the creatures that move along the ground for I regret that I have made them. Verse eight, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And this is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time and he walked faithfully with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Jepheth. And there now was corrupt, uh, now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and full of violence. And God saw how corrupt the earth had become for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I'm gonna put an end to all the people for the earth is filled with violence because of them. And I'm surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So make yourself an ark. Everyone say make yourself. Make yourself an ark of cypress wood. Make rooms in it and coat it with pitch inside and out. This is how you're to build it. The ark is to be 300 cubits long, 50 cubits wide, 30 cubits high. Make a roof for it. Leave a window and an opening one cubit, um, uh, all, one cubit uh, high all around. Put a door in the side of the ark and make a lower, middle, and upper deck. And I'm gonna bring floodwaters on earth to destroy all life under the heavens, every creature that has breath of life in it. Everything on earth will perish. But now I'll establish my covenant with you and you will enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. You're to bring into the ark two of every living creature, male and female, to keep them alive with you. Two of every kind of bird, animal, creature that moves along the ground will come with you and be kept alive. You're to take every kind of food that is to be eaten <coughs> and store it away for you and for them. And Noah did everything just as God had commanded him. And I want you to turn over to uh, Hebrews real quick. Hebrews chapter 11, and you can write this down if you don't have time to flip through your Bible tonight, because um, I would much rather you, you listen and receive than kind of be flipping pages. But Hebrews chapter 11 and verse seven says this out of the King James Version. It says this, by faith, everyone say faith. faith. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house. Tonight, I wanna speak to you for a few moments on what I've entitled, If You Build It. If you build it. Let's pray and, and we'll believe God's gonna speak to us tonight. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, I thank you that your word is powerful. I thank you that it is not like any other book on our shelves, God. It's living, it's breathing, it's active, it's alive. God, when we apply your word to our life, we are far better for it. God, it brings wholeness 
into our life. So Lord, tonight I pray that we would not just be hearers only, God, let us be doers of your word. Let us receive the word tonight, God. It's gonna change us, transform us. God, we're gonna leave here tonight a whole lot better than we even came in. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for what your Holy Spirit is gonna do amongst us. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. amen. Awesome. Um, back in high school, I, I went to high school in Charleston, South Carolina. I'm a South Carolina boy. Uh, that's where I grew up. And uh, when I was in high school, I was <coughs> very, very active, right, in, uh, in sports. I played a lot of soccer, played a lot of basketball. And I remember, yeah, come on, amen for soccer and basketball. Come on. Um, any LeBron fans in the house? Says a lot right there. Any Kevin Durant fans in the house? Now we're talking thunder. That's, that's God's team. Awesome. Love it. Hey, in the 10th grade, though, um, I, got I got called up to the varsity team at my high school, right? It's a big deal, right? You're a 10th grader. You're not supposed to be on the varsity team, right? It's, it's not yet your time, but every now and then when a good talent comes along, like myself, hello. So uh, the coaches have no other choice but to lift the talent up to its highest place, and they invited me to come uh, to the varsity practice. And I remember when I got the invitation, I was so excited, right? Not a lot of other 10th graders are getting this opportunity. I'm getting the opportunity. I'm excited to go and participate on the varsity team. And I went home. I told my parents, I'm like, Dad, Mom, you're never going to believe it. I got an invitation to play on the varsity team. I start practice tomorrow. It's going to be awesome, right? My parents are celebrating with me. This is a really, really cool time for me. I'm so ecstatic. I'm having a great time. And I'll never forget what my mom said. She looked at me and she said, Wow, Clay, that's like, that's amazing favor. Man, that's, that's some incredible favor on your life that you would get this opportunity in the 10th grade. That is some incredible favor. I'm looking at my mom like, yeah, it is. This is great. I'm favored. I got favor on my life. I'm in the 10th grade. I don't even really know what that means yet, but I'm like, I got it, and I feel it, right? I'm so excited. And so the next day I get to uh, varsity practice, and I walk in, and, and here I am. I'm feeling good. And, and, and what happened that day is I quickly learned that the varsity practice um, was not what I had assumed in my mind. Um, um, it wasn't what I thought. You see, I, I got there and I realized the practices are a whole lot longer. Uh, the conditioning is harder. The schedule is tougher. The, the workouts are way, way more intense. You see, I had an assumption about the varsity team that was not correct. I thought all they did all day, right? Like, you're the varsity team. You, you're, you're the guys in school. Everyone looks up to you. You guys are awesome. I thought all they did was like scrimmage all day, do a lot of shooting drills, maybe the occasional dunk contest. Like, it was just like, yo, we're varsity. We're here to, we're here to have a good time, right? And, and that's not what it was at all. I, I realized, I showed up that day. I'm like, hey, coach, um, my, my name's Clay. I'm, I'm here uh, to be on the team. And he's like, hey, how you doing, Baird? What, welcome to the team, Baird. Get on the line and start running. No, coach, um, I'm, I'm Clay Baird. Um, I'm the 10th grade prodigy uh, that got brought up uh, to be on the team. Um, you know, maybe there's, do you have my file? Do you have my file? you have my points per game? Like, you know who I am. He's like, no, yeah, yeah get on the line and, and start running, right? I got home that night exhausted, just dead out of my mind. And you see, that particular day and that year in school, not only did I learn something about the varsity basketball team, but I learned something about favor. I learned a whole lot about favor. You see, I was under the misconception early on in life that favor meant you're getting the hookup. That, that favor meant like things are gonna be easier for you because you got favor. Oh, oh it's, just, it's just smooth sailing now because you got favor on your life. I learned that year that's not what favor is. Favor, yes, is an opportunity. Maybe it's an opportunity that other people aren't getting. But when you oftentimes get an opportunity, it simply means that now you're gonna work harder than anybody else. 
That favor isn't the hookup. A lot of people feel like, oh, favor is you just sit back in your chair and, and chill out. That's not what favor is. Favor means you about to work. Favor means God is gonna make you work in life. It's an opportunity. And I remember the coach looking at me and telling me to do things, and I just thought, man, this is not what I perceived the varsity team to be. This is not what I thought favor was going to look like. You see, hear me tonight, Elevation. Favor ain't fair. You've heard that before, I'm sure. Favor ain't fair. God favors, he blesses, he sets apart, he calls up, he raises up whoever he wants to. Favor ain't fair, but hear me tonight, favor means you're gonna work. You're gonna put some work in when God favors your life. And here's the thing I noticed with, with our generation, and I pastor young adults just like you in Jacksonville, Florida, and we come together, we call it sub 30, we come together on Sunday nights, and here's what I've noticed about a lot of people in their 20s and 30s. I know a lot of young adults who want favor, and I know a lot of young adults who don't wanna work. Favor means you're gonna work. And if you want favor on your life, then get ready for God to bring it to you, but at the same time, he's gonna put a hammer and nails in your hand and say, it's time to get to work. It's time to build something in your life. And that's why I wanted to preach this message to you tonight. Because high school students, for the most part, they're all still living at home. Um, I mean, hopefully they're all still living at home. I don't know many of them with like apartments and stuff like that. <laughs> but, uh, but, but here you are, and you're in the season of life where maybe you're starting careers, you're, you're out on your own, it's a new venture, you're, you're getting away from home, and you're branching out. And right now is the time when you need to decide what are you gonna build what, what kind of life are you going to build? And if you want favor, if you want the blessing, if you wanna be set apart, if you want to be called up and raised up, then you better get a hammer and nail ready to build some stuff that God's gonna call you to build. Favor is going to require some work. And I love what the Bible says in Genesis chapter six and verse eight, because it talks about faith. The Bible says this, Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Noah found favor because of his faith. And so tonight, for a few minutes, I just wanna talk to you about faith and favor and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us. If you wanna take some notes, I'm gonna give you some things along the way. The first point tonight that I wanna make mention of is this. Faith finds favor. Faith finds favor. See, I believe this. I believe that faith is the language of heaven. I believe that faith is a catalyst by which God moves. Faith, in other words, faith is a favor magnet. That's what faith is. If you're a person of faith, favor will find you. Faith and favor will always find each other. And God says in his word that he's pleased with faith. In fact, the Bible says God even, he can't even be pleased without faith. If you wanna please God with your life, it is necessary to have faith. And faith is an opportunity. Opportunity is oftentimes disguised as hard work. And, and here God, he gives Noah favor. The Bible tells you because of Noah's faith, he found favor, but then God says in the very next verse, he says, by the way, Noah, I'm happy to bestow this favor upon you, but I'm gonna need you to pick up that hammer over there. I'm gonna pick up those nails over there. I'm gonna give you some blueprints, and I need you to start building. And for the next 100 years of his life, Noah builds a boat. Noah builds a boat for 100 years. I don't even know many young adults these days who will be faithful to the job God gave them for six months when they don't even like what they're currently in. Like, like it's, it's, it's hard in our generation at times to be faithful for a while, but yet here's a man who's building what God's called him to build, and he had to do it for 100 years. How, how long are you willing to build what God's called you to build? 
Are, are you willing to sit and wait while he keeps giving you more nails? Are you willing to keep building or are you getting frustrated and saying, God, I don't wanna do this anymore. I want a new assignment. God says, I don't have any new assignments. I created you for this assignment. I need you to build this. I need you to build this right here. Faith finds favor. And in a generation in their 20s and 30s in the United States of America where everyone is looking for get-rich-quick schemes, everyone is looking for the path of least resistance, it's like, the, what's gonna be the least effort but the most payout? You gotta understand the kingdom of God's not like that. The kingdom of God's not like that at all. The Bible, in fact, Jesus tells the disciples this in scripture. Jesus looks at his disciples, he says, hey guys, if you wanna pray for anything, pray for more laborers. I, I don't need more people with opinions. I don't need more social media activists. I don't need more bloggers sitting in their parents' basement talking about what they think about church and this and that. I need people that'll work. I need people that'll build. If you wanna pray for anything, pray for builders. That's what we need in Jacksonville and that's what we need in Arkansas. We need a generation of people who are not gonna be entitled, sit in their seat and say, God, give it to me, bring me the boat. No, you need to understand in the kingdom, he gives you hammers, he gives you nails, and he says, make yourself an ark. Build your own life. Oh, I'll be there every step of the way, but you gotta make the choice to build your own life. In a generation full of entitlement, Where's the young adults who are gonna start taking ownership for their own lives? Are you gonna take ownership for your own spiritual life? Are you gonna build your life in the way that this book tells you to build it? If you do, you'll never be disappointed. You'll always be fulfilled. You'll have no problem finding joy and fulfillment in life when you build on this, but you gotta build it. And if you build it, God can bless it. If you build it. The second thing I noticed as I was reading the scripture, number two is this, faith affects your house. Faith affects your house. Noah's faith affected his house. Noah's kids got saved because of their daddy's faith. Wasn't their faith. The Bible says it was Noah's faith. Because of his faith, his family got warned. Understand this tonight, Elevation. Your faith affects your house. Now, now your faith can't get your parents and brothers and sisters into heaven, right? Like, we know that. The Bible says you gotta believe in your heart. You gotta confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. So your, your faith can't, bring salvation into someone else's life. But I believe this. I believe that your faith can usher in the presence of God and the Holy Spirit into your home that's gonna help with that work as God's doing something in your family members' lives. Your faith affects your house. The Bible even tells us of a story in the Old Testament about King David and how David served the Lord so faithfully. And if you go on to read some of the Old Testament, generations down the line after David, the Bible says there was a descendant of David who started giving off track started doing things that he ought not be doing, and the Bible spoke to him and said, because of your forefather David and his covenant with me and his faithfulness to me, I will show you mercy in this time. You, you, you gotta understand, see, even at this age, maybe you're not married yet, maybe you don't have kids yet, I mean, I've just had my first, but even now, I believe that there's a spiritual principle that I can store up mercy for the next generation coming behind me. That because of my faithfulness, God might do something unique in people that, that come after me in my family tree. He might treat them a certain way. He might have grace for them in certain areas because a forefather decided to serve and be faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ. Faith affects your house. I'm telling you, man, in a generation that's me, 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 mine, 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 I'm gonna do me, I'm gonna get mine. Like, no, no, you gotta understand that even now you're storing up for generations behind you. Faith affects your house. Number three, 
Third thing we can write down tonight is this. Faith causes you to have intelligence that other people don't have. Faith causes you to have intelligence that other people don't have. Because of Noah's faith and faithfulness, Noah got warned. Nobody else got warned. Noah's the only homeboy on the block who got warned. Because of his faith, he now has intelligence. Understand this, Elevation. When you have faith, God will show you things are coming before they come. He'll show you things are coming before, you, before they even come. Faith is a communication device with God. You'll see things that other people don't see. L- let me speak to some people in, in college right now. Maybe, maybe you're going to class and you're surrounded by peers and, and maybe you're in a season of life where peer pressure is really, really heavy on you right now. I'm not, I'm not saying, I, I would be the first to tell our sub 30 people back home, Pastor Layton can attest to this, I would be the first to say this. If you don't have non-Christian friends, what are you doing? Why not? Like, you know what I mean? Like, like you ain't helping. You're not helping if, if you can't at least have some people in your life that need Jesus. Like, what are we doing, right? This is not some cruise ship, this thing called the church. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's a battleship. We're here to win people to the Lord. We're here to see people saved, okay? So I would be the first to say that, but understand that. I know peer pressure is real. I know it's all too genuine, but understand this. When you're a person of faith, you have intelligence that lost people do not have which means I'm not gonna build my life like they're building their life because I know some things that they don't know. See, I've read the end of the book. I, I know how God wants me to build my life. Noah is building a boat. There's no, no one else in town's building a boat. Noah, why are you building a boat? Because he knows something I don't know. Why are you building your life like that, young adult? You got friends and, and, and peer pressure. I, I don't understand why aren't you coming out and partying with us? Why aren't you sleeping with them? I thought y'all were dating. What, what's the deal with that? I mean, I mean, that's what everyone does. Why, why aren't you doing it? Why aren't you living together? I mean, don't people live together now before they get married? Why, why aren't you? Why aren't you? Why aren't you? Oh, the reason I'm not is because I've seen things that you haven't seen. And I know things that you don't know because I'm a person of faith and God has given me intelligence that you don't have. Oh, I pray that you'll have it. I pray that you'll know what I know and you'll see what I see. But that's why I'm not building what you're building because I've seen and heard Things and God's given me intelligence that other people don't have. So the question tonight for all of us becomes this. Are you hearing things from God that affect how you build? Are you hearing things from God that affect how you move and how you go about your life? Faith and trust in Jesus has given us the heads up. In life. This is why I can turn on CNN and not get freaked out. You know what I mean? Like it always blows my mind when Christians start freaking out when the judicial system starts making ridiculous statements and claims and passing law. And, and we got Christians in America who freak out and lose their minds. Like, like it, Pastor Clay, why aren't you threatened by this? Why aren't you confused by it? Because I've read the end of the book and I know whose kingdom gets established. That's why I'm not freaking out. That, that's why I'm not losing my mind because I have intelligence that those judges sitting on the seat may not have. And that's why I'm building my life a certain way, and that's why I know the end of the story and how it all shakes out in the end. Number four, the fourth thing we can see about faith and all this tonight is this. Faith can still exist with fear. Faith can still exist with fear. I know some people who I've heard say, well, well you either have faith or you have fear, but you can't have both. I don't believe that's true. I believe you can have both at the same time. I believe you can have fear and be afraid, but you can... Have faith at the same time. You see, Noah walked with God, but I bet he still sweat while walking. I I bet he still had a rough time sometimes walking with God. Faith does not mean that you don't have fear. 
You can have them both at the same time. I, I have fear at times. I'm just gonna be honest with you. Sometimes I have fear. I have fear about the future. I have fears about what, what my next step is gonna be in, in vocational ministry and what God wants to do in my life. And just like you, I mean, I'm a human being and, and, and I get presented with crossroads and I wanna make the right decision. And God, I, I really need you on this one. I don't wanna screw it up. I got a wife and a kid and I don't want my decision to screw their life up in the, in the whole day. Sometimes I'm afraid. Sometimes I'm fearful. But, and, and, and when I say that at times, in our church one time, I had someone approach me after a service and they say, well, Pastor Clay, you know, that's not true. You were preaching that point. That's not true uh, because the Bible says, you know, God has has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And I responded to him and I said, no, please hear me tonight. I don't believe for a second God gave me the fear, but it still doesn't escape the fact that I have it. I, 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 don't, I don't believe God gave it to me. But, but see, here's what happens. Faith is an action step. I can have fear, but choose to act in faith. And God did give me that one. I, I, I can choose faith even in the midst of of fear. Faith is action. You can have fear, but act in faith. You can have doubts, but act in faith. You can have anxiety, terror, and panic hitting your life, but still choose to act in faith. Faith is not pushing uh, past, or faith is pushing past your fears. Faith is not being controlled by your fears. Just because you have faith doesn't mean that you don't have fear. It's simply, faith is a spirit that says, I, I might have this fear, but I'm not gonna bow to this fear. I'm gonna choose to act in faith even in the midst of being afraid and maybe what God is trying to ask me to do and whatever is in front of me. I love Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 12, or 11 and, and then verse seven, we read at the beginning, by faith, Noah being warned of God of the things not seen as yet, moved with fear. Noah moved with fear, but, but, but he moved, right? This is big, God. You're asking me, to, you're asking me to, to do something big. I'm gonna get mocked and ridiculed for a long, long time. God, this is not some, this is not some little John boat you've asked me to build. This is, this is a big deal. This is not some Arkansas John boat that you've asked me to build. Okay, God, this is a big, big deal, and it's gonna require 100 years? God, like what in the world? God, what am, what am I doing? But, but he moved. You see, that scripture tells us in Hebrews 11, it tells us that Noah had three things. He had faith, he had fear, and he had movement. Please hear me tonight, Elevation. As long as my fear isn't stopping my movement, God can still accomplish something in my life. He can still use my life as long as I'm still putting one foot in front of the other. I'm building what God's called me to build. I'm doing what God's called me to do. I'm being faithful to what he's put in my hand. I'm gonna multiply it. I'm gonna build it. I'm gonna use it. As long as my movement stays at a steady pace, it's okay at times if you have fear but my faith has got to lead me to action. Faith and fear can actually exist at the same time. I wrote down some examples. Maybe you have a, you have a fear of financial failure, right? But you got to choose to act in faith. you got to choose to keep tithing, right? Come on, come on. I'm, I'm preaching to some people in their 20s now. Come on, you, you have a fear of financial failure and not having enough. Listen, the only way you won't have enough is if you stop being faithful to do things that God's told us to do. If you can't tithe now, then I'm here to tell you, it's, it's, a, it's a basic, this is not a tithing message, and I don't wanna go down the rabbit trail too long, but if you can't steward well what God has put in your hand, then please stop asking for more to be put into your hand. You gotta you got steward, you gotta be faithful, and you gotta be obedient, and then watch increase come into your life, okay? 
Maybe, maybe you have that fear, but you gotta keep moving in faith. Maybe you have fear of marriage failure. You gotta keep moving in faith. Maybe you have fear of, of your purpose and destiny, and, and maybe you're scared of what you think God's asked you to do. I wanna encourage some people tonight, keep putting one foot in front of the other. Maybe it looks big, maybe it looks daunting, maybe it looks like, God, I didn't come from a Christian household. I see what you're doing in Clay and Amir's life. I see what you're doing in Rick and the Bazette's life. God, I see all these things, but God, that is not my heritage. That is not my background. I'm here to tell you, you keep putting one foot in front of the other. You keep having a spirit of faith, and slowly that fear will dissipate, fear and faith will rise up, and all of a sudden you're gonna be 10 years down the road saying, my God, I'm so glad I decided to do something with a hammer and nails and not just sit there with them in my hand and you've built something, and you can look back and you can say, man, God was faithful every step of the way. Look what he's done in my life, man. I got a question for you. I wrote this one down. You know, fear of man often stops people. Fear of man, fear of what other people might think. You gotta keep moving in faith despite what other people are gonna say, right? And please hear me tonight, they will talk about you. If they're not already talking about you, they're gonna be talking about you, okay? It's the, the person who thinks no one is talking behind their back is foolish. Everyone, people are talking behind my back. They're talking behind your back. Let's just all raise our hands in a minute. Someone's talking about me and it ain't good, okay? Everyone, but, but if the fear of man is gonna stop you, come on, no, we gotta be better than that. Faith's gotta rise up and keep me moving. I read this story, you know, I'm so grateful Noah didn't stop moving forward in faith because of what people were saying about him. Lots of people talking about Noah. I wrote down a question for you. Have you ever stopped moving forward toward God because of what people were saying about you? Were you ever pursuing Jesus at some time in your life and you started getting revelation and, and it started becoming more and more clear and you're like, yes, this is awesome. But all of a sudden you got around a crowd of university friends who weren't down with Jesus and you saw your relationship and devotion to God begin to come down slowly and slowly and slowly because, well, I don't want to rock the boat and I don't want to make them feel uncomfortable and I, you know, I'm just trying to be a light in dark places and, and uh, you, you justify it however you want to justify it. But has people's words and fear of man ever stopped you from moving forward and doing what God's called you to do? Come on, let's rise up in faith and let's keep moving and doing what God's called us to do. God never promised you you won't get mocked building what he's called you to build. But is it worth being mocked to get the miracle? Is it worth being mocked to get the miracle? Number five, the fifth thing I wrote down is this. Faith won't do your work for you. Faith will not do your work for you. You see, sometimes I think our generation, we pray and we ask God to do too much. We ask God to do way, way too much. Faith does not mean you don't have to work. Faith will not do your work for you. Let me give you some a application for this right now. Um, uh, faith won't fill out the job application for you. I talk to some young adults sometimes, and I'm like, hey, man, how's it going in your life right now? Pastor Clay, I'm just believing God for a job. Man, I'm just, I just really need a good job right now. You know, I need to make that money. I really need a job. That's awesome, man. Have you had any interviews, man? You got your application and resume out there? No, man, I'm just believing God's gonna bring it. God, he's, he's got me. I'm, I'm, I'm sending up some. Faith won't, do, like, it's not gonna do your work for you. Faith won't study for the final exam for you. Come on, you, you know that we all did this. And God, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus. God, I will adopt a child from India. God, I will serve you all the days of my life. Jesus, I promise, I will serve in church. God, I will tithe 20% in Jesus' name. God, if you will help. Faith will not study. Listen, faith won't even get the word of God in your heart. 
The Bible says you study to show yourself approved. If you want it in you, you got to take some steps to get it in you. Faith won't do your work for you. You got to build it. You got to do some work. I'm glad you got faith. I'm glad you got prayers in the morning and prayers before you go to bed. But you got to do some work. And, and, and when there's a generation that's willing to work, and when there's a generation that's willing to build, then what God will do is just like he did with the ark, he will raise up the church of Jesus Christ that's going to save the world, that's going to carry us into the eternal destiny that he has. But it's got to rest on the shoulders of laborers. It's got to rest on the shoulders of people who will work. I'm thankful for people like my pastor, the Weems family. I'm thankful for the Bazette family. I'm thankful for other amazing pastors who built something, but one day they will get old. It's happening to all of us. And one day they will be gone. And who's the generation that's going to take the reins and the wheel of the church of Jesus Christ and continue building? I want us to entertain the thought tonight that the generation is sitting in this room right now. Who's going to take it? Who's going to be faithful to do it? Faith won't do your work for you? Are we asking God to do too much? Some people, man, they don't want God to just warn them of what's ahead. They want God to come down from heaven and build their boat. God says, no, 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 I, ain't, I, don't, I don't build the boat. You, you build the boat. I warned you. I'll even give you the supplies, but you gotta build it. You gotta build the boat. You gotta build your own house. God's job is to warn. Your job is to build and cultivate. Write this down tonight. What you cultivate, God will elevate. What you cultivate, God will elevate. If you build it in Jesus' name, God can lift it up. I talked to so many people. They're like, man, Pastor Clay, I'm just, man, I'm just waiting on God to do something in my life. Listen, God's waiting on you to do something. I'm waiting on God, Pastor. No, God's waiting on you. When you build, he can raise it up. Your next action is God's trigger. Your next action is God's trigger to do that thing in your life that he wants to do. I'll prove it to you in Psalm chapter 1. The Bible says this out of the NIV. The Bible says, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither, and whatever they do shall prosper. Someone say do. Whatever they do shall prosper. Another version says, whatever he does shall prosper. Whatever they do shall prosper. Listen to me tonight, Elevation. God cannot prosper what you won't do. Whatever they do, he prospers. If you don't do it, there's no prospering happening. So, so, so if God prospers what I do, then what are you doing that he can prosper? What are you building? What are you cultivating that he can elevate? in your life? Are you building your house? I wrote this down. It's time to build your house. Are, are, you, are you building a life that God can bless or are you building a mess and asking God to condone your mess? Things are a lot, there's, a lot of high, there's a lot of college and young adults, I think, who are building a mess of their life and they're saying, well, well God, will you just please condone this? God, will you just kind of please be okay with this? No, no, no. You build a life that God can bless. You do what he can prosper. That's what his word tells us. As the band maybe gets ready to come and maybe keys player or whoever, number six, the sixth thing I wrote down when I was studying this passage is this, faith is willing to look foolish at times. Faith is willing, <coughs> excuse me, to look foolish at times. Noah was looking like a fool for 100 years. Real faith is willing to look like a fool. Like I thought about this, real faith 
like we, we look in scripture, real faith is willing to put mud on your eyes to see your sight restored. You look foolish doing that though. Real faith is willing to step out of the boat and walk on water like it's concrete at Walmart and, and like you got no, like that's real faith. It's willing to look foolish at times. Man, when I was sharing this with our students back in Jacksonville, I told them this, I wanna lead a church and I wanna lead a young adult ministry of a bunch of fools. I want us to be foolish at times in our love and passion for serving Jesus because he's gonna require you to do things at times that seem foolish. Noah, you look like an idiot, buddy. No, it's, it's, been, it's been like 80 years. No, it's been 90 years, but like, dude, you were building this thing back in high school, bro. This is crazy. Like, hey, hey, where's that rain at, pal? Huh? Is it, is it coming soon? <laughs> right, right. All right, man, catch you later. Cool stuff, man. You, you keep at it, right? Like, he's getting mocked. He's getting cussed at, right? I mean, he is the laughing stock of town. Everyone's making fun of Noah. I mean, they got, they got you know, we got like your mama jokes. They got Noah jokes. I mean, Noah is getting made fun of. Noah is getting mocked. Noah looks ridiculous. Noah looks like a fool. Noah, why are you building that? This is so stupid. This is so ridiculous. But understand this, the rain hadn't hit it yet. The rain hadn't hit it yet. You see, at times, Elevation, what you're building looks foolish and ridiculous to a whole, whole lot of people. Why do you go to church so much? Why do you do, why do you, why do you, and, and, and like, why do you serve in church? Like some people, they can understand church going, but they can't understand like, wait, you serve? Like what, what are you, an altar boy? What does that mean? Like, I don't understand. Like, do you carry the incense down the aisle? What is that about, you know? They don't understand, you serve, I don't get it. And so, why, why do you go to church so much? So wait, you're, you're in a group? So wait, you go to church a couple times a week, but then you also go to group and, and you do some other things and all of a sudden you go on retreats and you go on missions. Why do you go on missions trips? What's that about? Like all that, they don't understand it, but, but they don't understand it because the rain hadn't hit their life yet. But what happens is when the floodwaters and rain come down and the waters start to rise, all of a sudden everyone who wasn't building what God's called us to build is wanting the blueprints to your boat. Oh, oh, you look ridiculous until the rain comes. Noah looked like a fool until the water showed up, and now Noah's the smartest man in town. Everybody wants Noah's hookup. Everybody wants those blueprints. Noah, hey, man, how can I, can I get on that boat? Noah, you got something? Can I get another boat? How long did it take you? Was it 100 years? I don't know if I got that much time. Can I? Everybody wants a piece of the action now, but thank God Noah was building See, see, this is, this is why we build. I, I'm not just building for the here and now. You're building for what's ahead. Sometimes you look foolish because a boat on dry ground doesn't make a whole lot of sense. See, sometimes God's gonna speak to some of you. He's gonna say, hey, I need you to start building this in your life right now. God, that doesn't make sense. I talk to people all the time. They're like, man, Pastor Clay, I, 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 man, I wanna do what you do. I wanna do what I see Judah Smith and Robert Madu and whoever. Oh, man, I wanna do... What I see you guys doing, <laughs> that looks amazing, and blah, blah, blah. Well, well are, are you preaching now? Well, no, I'm just waiting to God to give me the platform. No, bro, I was preaching in the bathroom long before I was ever preaching on any, like, like you gotta build now. Well, preaching in the bathroom don't make a whole lot of sense. Well, a boat on dry ground doesn't make sense. But I'm not building for the here and now, I'm building for what's ahead. I'm building for what's coming in my life. Man, I, I wanna be a worship leader. Man, I can't wait to stand on the main stage and I wanna be under the lights and I wanna get the guitar and I want people to see me. I wanna lead the masses in worship. Well, are you serving the team right now? 
Are, are, are you, well, well, not, well, how do you mean? Well, I, I tell some of our people, man, you can serve the worship team. You want to get some coffee? You want to help them? You want, I mean, they, they, when, when they're up here setting up and they're doing their rehearsals, they could definitely use the extra hand. Well, no, I'm not really called to, to be an extra hand. I'm really called to kind of sing the solo. If you can't build what doesn't make sense now, then it's going to be impossible for God to bring you into the later. I don't, I don't build for now. I'm building for what's to come. And faith will have you looking foolish at times. Faith will have you looking ridiculous at times. But thank God Noah was putting up with the mockery because he knew the miracle was coming. It's a whole lot easier when you understand and you've read the end of the book. Sometimes I think our generation has a hard time because ain't no one read the end of the book. So, so, so it's, I'm just gonna be real. It's, it's hard to keep your faith up when you don't know how the story ends. But when I know how the story ends, it's like I can put up with God calling me to do ridiculous things every now and then because I know it's eventually gonna to lead to his kingdom being established on earth and righteousness flooding the entire planet and peoples and, and nations and kings from every tribe and every tongue taking a knee to the true king of Jesus. Like I've read it all, you know what I mean? And it's easy to do foolish things when I know how the story ends. Everyone's looking for what, everyone is looking at what is, but we gotta be the people looking at what's to come. I thought about this, I thought, you know, peer pressure at times is gonna put stress on your faith. When you do foolish things, peer pressure is gonna come and say, don't do that. Don't, 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 that looks dumb. Why, why are you doing that? Like, just, just fit in. Just, just be like everyone else. Write this down. Um, you can't have faith and fit. You can't have faith and fit. If what you're building right now looks stupid to the world, it's just because the rains haven't come yet. You know, I, I uh, left high school in Charleston, and I, I go back every now and then. I really don't have much reason to go back to hometown anymore. My parents have since moved away, and so I don't really get back very often. But what I, what I do hear of some of my high school friends is, unfortunately, a lot of them are, are still in, like, the same dead-end job that they were honest to God in, in in high school. Like some of them were, were bellboys at the local hotel and they're 30 something years old and they still do that. And it's like nothing against bellboys, but it's like they, they didn't do anything with their life. They didn't build, they didn't cultivate, they didn't go anywhere. And, and, and here's the reason why, is because they got short-sighted. You see, when you don't have faith and you don't have Jesus, right? You can't have Jesus without faith. And so when you don't have faith, life leaves you short-sighted. All my friends could ever see in life was the weekend coming up. All they could ever think to build was short-term pleasures in life. Like, like the, we, we see this happening now. Like there are some people in the world who maybe even are rich and, and they seem successful in the whole deal, but, but they're not even building for eternity. And all they can think to build in their mind without faith and without Jesus is just more money in the bank. All they can think to build is, well, I just want to build a bigger retirement fund. I just want to build a, a bigger business. I just want to have more toys to play with. I just want to, and that's all they can think to build. And there's nothing necessarily sinful and wrong about any of that. But listen, you can't take it with you. It doesn't go into eternity with you. And without faith, they have now been left short-sighted. But faith gives us the ability to see way, way past the weekend. I had friends who could never see past the weekend. They would get paid money and they would spend it all just on, on alcohol and drugs just for the weekend. And then Monday would start and they would just work Monday to Friday and then just spend all the money again on Saturday. And like that was the, the whole 
cycle of their life. They never had vision past Saturday. At some point in your life, you gotta start getting vision past Saturday. You gotta start getting vision out there. And when you can get your vision out there, you'll start building for out there. And, and you won't build just for the here and now anymore because faith has brought vision. Jesus has, has left me with an eternal perspective and I'm building for what's to come. This is what faith does in our life. And the last thing I'll say, and we'll pray for some people, is this. You know, at the end of the day, the ark that Noah was building, um, it's a type and shadow of the church, right? You read the whole Old Testament, I mean, honestly, you, you see Jesus in every book. Jesus is in every story. Like, Jesus is the greater Moses. You know, Jesus is, is all of these figures that we see in the Bible. Jesus is the greater version of all of them, right? And, and the ark is a type and shadow of the local church. It was a vessel that God was using to save the earth. That, that's what he's doing with the local church. And, you know, I thought about the ark for 40 days and 40 nights. Um, where do you think all those animals and Noah's family use the restroom? You know what I mean? Like, let's just be real. That, yo, that place stunk really, really bad. It was awful. Like, it, it was nasty. Like, animals are nasty on their own. And you think two of every kind? Like, that place was foul, you know? It was just disgusting and nasty. And, and, and this is the ark. But, but it's the vessel God's using to save the world, right? But it stinks, and it's disgusting, and, and I don't even know if we would want to be on the ark. Like, it, I mean, obviously we want to be on it, you know what I mean? It's, it's awesome, I mean, it's, it's either that or you're in the water dead, but like, it <laughs> sounds better than that, I guess. So when you, when you put it like that, Pastor Clay, uh, but, but it stinks and, and, and it's nasty, and, and I thought about this, I had this thought, you know, sometimes people who don't understand the church and they don't have a relationship with Jesus and stuff like that, sometimes they talk real negative and bad about the church, right? They say things like, um, like that sometimes they say stuff that's actually true. And, you know, they say stuff like, well, you know, the reason I don't go to church is because, man, I know some people that go to church, and, man, they're doing the same thing I'm doing. They're doing all the same stuff I'm doing. I see them at the same parties I'm at. They're drinking the same stuff I'm drinking. They're smoking the same stuff I'm smoking. They're doing the same stuff I'm doing. And sometimes that is 100% true. Like you, like, you can't deny it. Yeah, man, like, like sometimes, yeah, people are coming to church. Well, that's why I don't come, because people are hypocrites and blah, 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 blah. But listen, we don't have to be odor-free to be the better choice. The ark wasn't odor-free, but it was undoubtedly the better choice. It's either, hey, jump on board the vessel that God's going to use to save the human race or drown in the floodwaters. And there are some people who are saying, well, I'm not gonna get involved in the church because the people are stinky. But that's the gospel of Jesus Christ, that God uses stinky, messed up, jacked up people, and he turns their life into something positive that benefits and builds the kingdom of God. That's the God. We don't have to be perfect to be the better choice. We don't have to be odorless to be the better choice. We don't have to be stink-free to be the better choice. This is what God does. It's the God. God takes people that are a mess and he can make your life amazing if you'll surrender and you'll build it the way he's called us to build it. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm thankful to be a part of a church in Jacksonville and I know you're thankful to be a part of a church in Arkansas and Little Rock and Conway. Man, we're people from every walk of life, people who are struggling, that people who can belong way before they behave. I think that's a big thing in church these days. There's so many churches that say, hey, hey, you better behave and then you can belong. No, our church does it differently. Man, you go ahead and you can belong before you start behaving. We'll, we'll go ahead, you, you come right on in. 
we will accept every type of person. Oh, oh, you look like you stink real, real bad. You, you come on in here. You stink with sin, you are welcome here. You stink with addiction, you are welcome here. Oh, your life's a mess, you are welcome here. You got suicidal thoughts, you're welcome here. Oh, you're full of depression, you are welcome here because this is the vessel that God is using to save the world. And man, if we can help people understand that, if we can help people come in here and feel that type of warm embrace, that man, this is home. Home's a place where I can come. My wife does not say, hey, Clay, you can't come in right now because you just played soccer for four hours and you stink really, really bad. Man, home is the place where you can walk in there no matter what you look like, no matter what you smell like, no matter what you've been going through. Home, home is home. I can, it's my house. I can sit on the couch smelling like however I want to because I bought the couch. And man, when we can get church to be a place where people understand that, man, you can come in here smelling and looking and dealing with whatever you're dealing with, and man, you can, this is home for you, and we'll accept you. We, we, we won't condone, come on, that's a whole nother message. We, we don't condone maybe everything that you're involved in, but just because I don't condone it doesn't mean I can't accept you and welcome you into the home. You come on in here, and together, man, we'll all start building what God's called us to build. I'm gonna build my life, you're gonna build your life. We're gonna open up the word of God. Like I was telling the students last night, it's gonna be a lamp, it's gonna be a light, that's what it does. It's gonna lead us, it's gonna light every step of the way and we're all gonna be better for it. And one day we're all gonna be old, we're gonna be 50, 60 years old, we're gonna look back and we're gonna say, thank God in my 20s I started building because it's paid off big dividends now. It's paid off massive now. I didn't see it then. I didn't understand it then. I didn't realize, God, well, I don't understand why I have to do all this now. But later on it's gonna make more sense than you ever know. Let me pray for you. Father. In Jesus